The football season is reaching its conclusion and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got a crucial week of fixtures left to play in the Premier League and with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every movement through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Oh, I say! It's amazing! He does it tame and tame and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! When does the business end of the season start? What is the threshold for making a great escape from relegation? And what is the definitive, too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League 11? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Access to The Athletic is currently free for 30 days. Go to theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod. With me to talk the business end of the football season are two very appropriate guests. First of all, the audio supremo of The Athletic, Dave Walker, uh, also a relegation-fearing Watford fan. How are you feeling, Dave? I've got to be honest with you. I fucking hate the business end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten how horrendous it is. I mean, as a Watford fan, we've been uh, paddling along in mid-table obscurity for the last five seasons. And it's, you know, the end of the season has been absolutely uneventful in, in large part, when usually just being thrashed on the last day by Man City. Um, so some things don't change. But, God, the last two weeks, is, I've just been a wreck. I've been, because every match, I've had to, not only have I had to watch Watford's dismal performances, I've had to watch Bournemouth, Aston Villa, West Ham, yeah, Southampton, yeah. and every game. And because there's one every day, it's just dominated by just a roller coaster of mainly terrible emotions. Well, it's, it's going to go down to the final day, so at least that's exciting. But um, oh, no, I we're feel down. for you. We're down. I've never heard the phrase paddling along in mid-table either. That, I think that might catch on. <laughs> we also have the, the playoff flirting Forest fan, Nick Miller, uh, of Totally Show fame. How are you doing? Like Dave, not a fan of the business end of the season. Forest, uh, <laughs> apart from one season a couple of uh, years ago, we haven't Forest haven't really been involved in any kind of business end uh, business. And it's one of those things where, you, th- where uh, you know, after years and years of kind of mid-table drudgery where nothing really happens and the season's over by March, you kind of think, ah, if only I had a little bit of excitement, if only we could uh, we could be involved in something tangible. And then when it comes around, it turns out it's horrendous. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I- <laughs> I yearn for the days of mid-table obscurity. Yeah, I can imagine it's a bit. It's more excruciating in the Championship looking up than than the Premier League looking down. But we can discuss that in great detail. No, later. no, no. Def- it's definitely the other way around. It has to be the other way. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. But we have we have some important business to get out of the way first. Many have noticed that uh, referee John Moss had his own name embroidered on his boots 
for the FA Cup semi-final or presumably any game that he referees um, between um, Arsenal and Manchester City at the weekend. Uh, this this elicited some instant hand-wringing amongst the, uh, amongst the purists, Nick. Um, but before we join in that hand-wringing, perhaps we should probably listen to Chief Hand-Ringers Keys and Grey and their take on this, uh, on this particular matter. This is the man who's probably made more errors than anybody yes, else since we came out of lockdown. The Fernandes penalty in Aston Villa yes. being won. He consistently gets it wrong. My advice to Mossy would be, and to Mike Riley, um, there is no place for this. No. You've not become as big as or better than anybody else on the football pitch on a match day afternoon. You're there simply to regulate. Yes. You're not the star of the show. Cut it out. That, for me, That's about, is no, nonsense. I'm, I'm staggered, honestly. There's not, there's not a lot of things leave me speechless. That's very close. I knew it would. <laughs> That's very close. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, uh, John. No. It's extraordinary. No. Now... <laughs> a few molecules of me were tempted to kind of decry this and just think it was the worst thing I'd ever seen. And now having listened to that, I've gone completely the other way and I'm happy to let Jonathan Moss have whatever he likes on his boots. Well, it's just, I love the idea that where they say, well, he's got loads of decisions wrong, as if he if he had a certain proportion of correct decisions, he'd be allowed to have whatever he likes stitch on his boots. Uh, one and a half grams of thread slowing him down as he runs across the uh, across the pitch. There are so many elements of that. There's no place for this. I sympathise with them to an, to an extent because this is kind of reflexive, kind of games gone kind of reaction that everybody seems to have to these sorts of things. But it literally doesn't matter, does it? The idea. I don't. I, I don't even know if this qualifies as sort of games gone style showboating. If you have to use some kind of mega zoom camera to actually see the thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. It's not like he's he's gone out with the kind of big headdress on or something like that that was that be immediately obvious if he, when he stepped out on the pitch. <laughs> this is something that has kind of emerged as uh, someone's been looking at the super zoom camera. It raises a question, Dave. Though, is, are referees not important enough? Do they not do a decent enough job? Do they not have enough professional pride to earn themselves the? the honour of just putting their own nickname on a boot? Well, we have definitely seen the sort of slow, creeping, celebrity sort of commodification of the referee over the last few years, haven't we? I mean, there's yeah. the cult of Mike Dean is now a fully-fledged thing. We had we had Klatz, who yes. was making a name for himself. There's a tattoo for every big game. Yeah, uh, exactly. His you know, body. Nothing PC wrong with Howard Webb. Yeah. Who was, you know, we, we know a lot more about the referees than we used to. Uh, I am mm. quite surprised that John, I, I, do, I wouldn't have wouldn't have really pegged John Moss as being the next cab off the rank in this particular genre. <laughs> um, but I mean, surely the, just just to just to address Keezy and Gray's criticism, surely the the appropriate response here to Keezy's indignance at, at this whole situation is it's just banter, Keezy. <laughs> oh yes, there you go. Well, I suppose it is. It is. It's pure banter. Just having your your nickname threaded upon your boots. I'm glad we're all in agreement here, and that we're not. The game hasn't indeed gone, but the season has nearly gone, of course, and that means we're at the business end, Dave. When does the business end of the season officially start? I put it to you that it's it's League Cup final onwards. Well. I think you might technically be correct, but my instinct was that it would be a bit later. Really, for me, the business end of the season doesn't doesn't really kick in until like April time. I know we're sitting here in middle of July, but you know, normal in the normal season it would be April. But then I just googled business end of the season earlier on, and I've got references from as far back as early February. 
Oh, early February. Well, I, w- I would suggest Easter, but I literally don't know when Easter is. I've been alive for 37 years. I still <laughs> yeah. I just don't know when Easter is. If, if you had a gun to my head and, to- and asked me to tell you when Easter was, I just don't know. But I suspect it's probably then. What does the business end really entail, Nick? I mean, at, at what point does a switch flick in everybody's heads, fans, players, and think, right, this is it, the final stretch? I would have said Easter as well, uh, but it doesn't really matter. It's, it's a movable feast, if, if you will. But it, I don't think it really matters. It is... Uh, in my head, the business end is Easter, but you know, post Easter, the, the, the League Cup final—that's that, that's far too early. League Cup finals in late February these days. In my youth, I remember it being gloriously sunny for every League Cup final, but it's yeah, it's kind of last weekend in February usually, isn't it? I think that's 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 too early for for business yeah. end. You can't have I don't know. Can you can you have three months worth of business end? <laughs> no, no, perhaps that is too much business. Some might say that it's when games start coming thick and fast, but that's Christmas as well, so that doesn't count. And games are technically coming thick and fast now due to Project Restart. So Project Restart has basically has has solved this problem for one season only. The, the business end of the season started when everyone came back from yeah. a three-month break and started playing football again with lots of worries on their mind. It's been a really intense sort of crash course business end. We've done like a, we've done like a master's degree in business in about three the months here. A question I, I, I had for both of you is... The business end is, as we described, post-Easter football. That implies that the other end of the season is what? The leisure end? The pleasure end? The leisure end? What's the opposite of business? Smart casual. (laughs) (laughs) Do we think that business end of the season is synonymous with squeaky bum time? Uh, are Are they the same thing or are they slightly different? Squeaky bum time, I guess, is condensed more right to the very, very end of the season. So. Right. Not even Easter. We're talking sort of planning your summer holidays. Um, isn't the weather looking? Isn't the weather getting nice? Sort <laughs> of era. But yeah, it's maybe squeaky bum time is like the last half dozen games maximum. I would say. They always say at the start of the season that you uh, you can't win the league in X <laughs> month, but you can lose it. Is business end the section of the season where you can actually win the league? Yes, yes. I would I would say so, because you're either mathematically winning it or taking great strides to, towards it. Final days, Nick, are kind of dripping with cliche. The kind of the standard scene that you you kind of consume on a final day, either through television or, or simply being there yourself. As far as the championship goes this season, it's kind of hampered slightly by... It's, it's a final night, not a final day. So last night was... Not the sunny, kind of sun-drenched, sombreros out for the lads affair that it would normally be. And, uh, I mean, particularly scuppered by the, the fact that there will be no fans there. <laughs> yeah, I only just realised that. But I was, I was going to say they can't, you know, they can't be all be in fancy dress. I suppose they could be, but they'll just be in fancy dress on their own at home, which, I don't know, I've, fancy dress has never really appealed to me, but I, I, I understand the appeal is more in the sort of collective rather than just dressing as a smurf in your own living room. <laughs> One piece of iconography, Dave, for, for the final day of any particular league season are wireless radios, or am I, I think I'm obliged to call them transistor radios. I don't know why we have to call them in such stuffy terms. This has become kind of the biggest prop of a, of a final day of the season. Is this a method by, by which news begins to filter through? And secondly, when do you think that they finally become extinct transistor radios? Uh, when are they finally going to sort of remove themselves from the mise-en-scene of a final day? Well, I think news definitely does still filter through. There have been plenty of recent examples of, of that. I mean, last on the on the, the last day of last season, when Brighton went 1-0 up against Man City, I think the news was very much filtering through to Anfield that that had happened. 
Um, I love the I love the sound of news filtering through because you can just feel sort of the ripple of sort of uh, like sort of chatter in the crowd and and you can without even knowing what's happened you can feel that something very very odd is going on in the crowd like they're having a sort of discussion amongst themselves and then when the yeah. camera finally zooms in there's always one man who or, or woman, <laughs> yeah. who has who has designated themselves as as, as the chief filterer of the news and so sort of, they're looking around going yeah one nil one nil. And so they're turning around 360 degrees going, yep, one nil. It's one nil. It's one nil. One nil. Uh, do you think that um do you think that's a particularly uh, big job? I feel that's quite a quite a responsibility. It's a huge, especially. Oh, it's a huge job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I mean if that 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 example last season season was probably partic- particularly unfortunate because I think Man City were behind for less than sixty seconds. So <laughs> by the time the news is filtered up to the to its highest point, there's more news to filter. Filtering up. Oh right, I, 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 I didn't know which way the direction the filtering goes. Well, it's a um, 360 degree situation. The other thing about the final day of last season was that there was a, a another classic final day trope in that there was a false rumor of a goal uh, ah. um, from that swept around Anfield briefly. I think it was when uh, so yeah, City equalised that first goal, and then there was a there was a, a rumor of a a, a second. Brighton goal uh, going around Anfield that was quickly scotched, which of course is is um, is. is Imagine much... being that guy that gives fake news. Yeah. Then you've just got to sit there and be the person who gave fake news at the, the, the tensest possible moment. That must be awful. The false rumor is is a, 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 again a dying art because of the uh, you know the prevalence of smartphones and more specifically reliable four G service in grounds. What does five G mean for the transistor radio? Death. I fear. I fear. Say, yeah. I fear. Sort of May, April, May sales as transistor radios are going to be plummeting. Important technical point here, Dave. We've talked about filtering through that. We understand how that occurs, but it, that is a separate concept to uh, anxiety transmitting itself to the players, which is always something I found quite funny. Um, this <laughs> idea that sort of an emotion can sort of just absorb into the players on the pitch, and and co-commentators love that oh, anxiety. The crowd seems to be transmitting itself to the players. Yeah, they're looking a bit nervous. Well, of course, that's not going to be an issue for anyone on this final day. No. So uh, yeah, maybe they'll be completely liberated. That would be something interesting. It could very much happen on the final day of the Premier League season. That goal difference situation is so tight between Villa, Bournemouth and Watford. It could mm. even go down to goals scored. I mean, surely we're going to hear a situation potentially where Dean Smith or Eddie Howe or whoever's managing Watford is going to be screaming, we, we need one more! Bournemouth, <laughs> Bournemouth have scored! Like, how much are you going to do it? Eddie Howe having to sort of calmly do it in an Eddie Howe kind of way without getting too too flustered would be quite funny. Yeah. Sort of you're quietly, quietly issuing, quietly sort of handing over a laminated folder of uh, updated scores. That would be quite funny. Ed Quoth Raven suggests, one game with nothing riding on it produces a mad result. Crystal Palace 5, Bournemouth 3, or famously Manchester United 5, West Brom 5, which I think was it was Ferguson's last game. It's kind of reassuring kind of situation there. It, it shows that sort of top-level professionals can actually let their hair down, and this is what happens. If, if two teams can't be arsed, you're going to get loads of goals rather than, say, a nil-nil. Yeah, it's just the sort of sack it attitude, the, the last, last day of term at school when people brought in games and just sort of pissed around right. rather than, you know... Drawing cocks on each other's shirts on the back. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. The game that springs to mind immediately for me in this category is when Middlesbrough beat Man City 8-1. Uh, yes! A few, I think it was the last game of Sven Jorn Eriksson's yes. reign at Man City. Dave, important point here from Geordie81. He says, I think it's time we changed on the beach. That is a team who are quite visibly not giving a shit. To something a bit more modern, say in Dubai, 
Do, do we think yeah. that one needs updating? Because it's the idea of them all sort of heading down to Yarmouth or something. <laughs> or, I, or even I, just being on any beach at all. Maybe footballers have surely a more multi-dimensional lifestyle these days. They don't just want to go and sit on a beach. They want to go and visit mm, art galleries. And, uh, no, I think no? I think you're I think you're wildly overestimating the cultural palette of the Premier League footballers. <laughs> what can we do? <laughs> give me give me a give me a 2020 twist on on the beach. There are many beaches in Dubai. Many man-made, oh, yes. so spectacular beaches in Dubai, uh, but mm. I, I'd see. I, we should change it to, I think, like, on the jet skis or something mm. in Dubai. That's what I picture them doing. If they're not mm. pissed up in an all-day sort of nightclub in Vegas, Ve- Vegas mm. is probably something we should. Yeah, that they're in the casino. Yeah. Just, to, just neither like of those things convey quite the kind of um, it's not relaxing, is aspect. it? No, it's not. It doesn't yeah. apply downing tools enough. <laughs> no. Moving on, Lloyd Clark Nick says, "I can't look any further than the heartwarming sight of a child scoring during the lap of honour." Added <laughs> points if match of the day replay it and playfully commentate on his or her technique. That's yeah. a, that that is an absolute staple, isn't it? That's that's nice touch territory as well, which is a common theme. Very much so, and it's uh, again, there's yet another thing that's going to be ruined by this season because the the um, the key part of the child scoring in the open goal is the the home fans cheering wildly as they kind of nudge the ball over the line. When Lloyd Clark suggested this, my, the instant voice that came into my head was uh, Adrian Child sort of talking over the topic, going, "Oh, look at that! Tech. That's Roman Abramovich, sign him up, get that five-year <laughs> contract going. That, that is a star of the future, right there." Dennis Wise, I'm pretty sure, kind of popularised. Dennis Dave, this, this concept of just carrying your kids around a football pitch. I think it was after the FA Cup final in 2000. And after that, it was it. That was it. It was free reign. All the kids, the whole family, cousins, the lot. Yeah, absolutely. They're all kicking little footballs around. The fans are cheering yeah. them, scoring goals. And yeah, it's, I like it. It's brilliant. Well, didn't that, uh, the, that child that Dennis Wise uh took with him not only onto the pitch but up to lift the FA Cup didn't that child make his debut for Watford earlier earlier this season oh he, sure he's on the books yeah yeah I, yeah that's right I think I, it was in a league might, cup might have game. come on in a cup game yeah, yeah you're right he is there he'll probably be playing a lot next season another thing uh, sort of a subtle piece of body language I, I noted is um, the very very particular way that some players wave goodbye at the end of a particular season making they're trying to make oh it, yeah Obvious, but not too obvious, Dave, that they're leaving the club. I, just, I wonder what it is. It's kind of like all the players wave in a kind of friendly kind of way, like the end of a Zoom call kind of way. But <laughs> players who are leaving, it's kind of like a tearful kind of, yeah, without actually telling anyone. It's like, yeah, I'm leaving, hands up, kind of, yeah, Mia culpa kind of hands saying, yeah, sorry about this. See you later, though. And fans love to just read into you know, all of a sudden, everyone becomes like one of those body language experts that you'd get on Big Brother. <laughs> Has he and dropped like, the biggest I... tent yet that, yeah, he, exactly. that his future exactly. lies elsewhere? He was sort of, you know, as well as waving, he was kind of, you know, just slapping his heart and like, you know, <laughs> yes. the badge and like, you know, stripping down the to his pants. Pump. Yeah, exactly. He gave away all the items of his of his of his yeah. kit. Normally, when they're asked in the kind of their preseason, oh, sorry, their post game interview. So, is this is this your last game for the club? They will say, "Oh, well, you never know." We're just you know just enjoying today and see what the future brings. Which, of course, was kind of turned on its head by Eden Hazard at the end of last season, oh, who after the, yeah after the Europa League final said, "Yeah, I'm going." Yeah, that was uh, uh, liked it here, but I'm off. I mean, it was it was an absolutely brutal assault by the post match interview. I mean, fantastic <laughs> journalism. But he asked him about six times. No, will you just? Mm. Are you going? And eventually, he just went, "Yeah, oh yes, all right, okay, <laughs> I'm going." 
Just he ran out of way to say in football, you can never say never. Yeah. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. I'm interested about the language of relegation or, or more to the point, the language of preempting relegations because there are so many, it seems to be so many ways of describing those bottom three places in the Premier League. There's the trap door, uh, which I imagine that the trap door is, is, is the bottom of the league. It can't be the, can't be the third but last place. The drop zone, which I've never really embraced. I don't think I've really got into drop zone. It feels a bit Top Gun for me. Mired in the relegation zone. Yeah, mired seems a bit football-y. Rooted to the bottom, which at least Watford aren't. Uh, and then there's the, finally, there's the this concept that loads of pundits seem to suggest. Perhaps we're past this point now, but where pundits suggest that teams could get sucked into the relegation battle. Yeah. I, think, I, think we're, I think we're past that now. I think we're down to four yeah. goes into if you, three. If you haven't been sucked in already... By now, yeah, you're, you're well clear. But I think you you can you can very much hover above the trapdoor or above the drop zone, um, and then yeah, eventually just slip in at the last moment. But yeah, mired and rooted that that's very much in Norwich's sort of situation, or your you know your Derby or Sunderland in those historic bad Premier League seasons. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Watching Aston Villa earn a very crucial three points against Arsenal. On Tuesday night, Nick, it made me think that they might be in line for a great escape. Uh, do you think they meet the threshold for a great escape? I feel like they had to have been in dire straits beforehand to complete a great escape. It feels like Norwich have been bottom of the league for all season, so I'm not really mm. sure. You need to have been bottom to to complete a great escape. You probably, right? probably need to have been bottom. You probably need to have been written off as well, because I, th- I think it's, yeah. it feels like Villa have always been just kind of, um, you know, three or four points from safety. I don't, yeah. I don't think you can. I think it qualifies as a, a great escape if you've kind of been there or thereabouts. Maybe even you need to have been sort of double figures adrift. Yeah, or, or, or at one point or another, or bottom at Christmas. The, the, yes, you know, the, yeah, the classic. bottom at Christmas is absolutely it. Yes, important language point here, Dave. Languishing. I, I, I'm 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 conflicted about this. Can you languish? at the bottom of the table or is languishing in mid table because language isn't languishing isn't a negative thing language is just a i'm just lying here minding my own business yeah. so maybe it's more of a mid table thing i think it is a mid table thing yeah you right. yeah just like you're just laying around in mid table you're not really bothered you're not really yeah you're not really there's nothing of consequence is happening as a result of your languishing yeah, I think you might be right. You could, I suppose you could languish in the lower leagues in a more sort of vague sense. Uh, yeah. You could also languish in the reserves, couldn't you, Nick? Uh, no, I, no, I don't think so. Mm. I think you rot, oh. you rot in the reserves, you, sure. Yeah, you oh, languish. yes. You no, that's fine. I agree with that. Although, oddly, if you're left to rot in the reserves but are also frozen out, surely that would slow down <laughs> the rotting process. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't thought about this. Cryogenics, when it comes to out-of-favour squad members has not been addressed properly in the language of football. Dave, again, an issue that may affect you 
sooner rather than later. The the body language of relegation. I was I always think of on sort of final day relegation scenarios. I always think of Janino uh, and Middlesbrough, Elland Road, sort of sat on his haunches, just waiting for a succession of opposition players to come and pat him on the head. Uh, what would you What would you do if if you were a part of a relegation team? What would be your body language of choice? I'd just be getting off the pitch as soon as possible. I don't want I don't want to air my public disconsolation. Again, it's going to be so heightened this season, isn't it? Because there's there's mm. there's not going to be any of the crowd. You know, the, the, yeah, there's the nobody there to, to air your despair to. It's going to be yeah. I mean, we might even have the pros- we might even have the realistic prospect of if if I don't think any of the Watford players care enough for this to happen. But if anyone who gets relegated is really crying, you'll actually hear live sobbing on Sky Sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that would be brutal. I never thought of that. Um, Nick, can you offer any more of the sort of tableau of despair that you get on a on a on a sort of relegation sealed kind of day? Watford are, yeah. Watford are going to be at the Emirates, which feels like a particularly depressing place to be uh, relegated. Yeah, as a kind of addition to the uh, to the uh, Giannino sat there, sort of uh, arms over knees, head down. Mm. Is um, the the well-meaning either opponent or probably backroom staff coming over to try and drag them to their feet? As if to say, say, kind of come on, come on, son, chin up. Can a human being ever make themselves heavier than a player who's just been relegated and someone's trying to pick them up? I think it's similar yeah. to when you're trying to get a child to go to bed and they somehow yeah. manage to make gravity work in their yeah. favour and, and stop All them. floppy, yeah. Aurelio Gomez is going to have a lot of that on Sunday. You watch. He's going to take centre stage. He will be... He have nothing else to do that day other than G up the pathetic players that inevitably fail on the final day. There's always kind of a... It's like, oh, can I, you know, get up, son. Doesn't really matter. And there's But there's always an implication that it's, you know, they're saying, this isn't your fault. Don't worry, it's not your fault. I mean, it, it is. is their fault. It's completely <laughs> their fault, particularly in Watford's case this season. But it's entirely their fault. I think just one thing that if if Watford somehow managed to to do what now seems highly unlikely and stay up, I think we could have a real and Villa are the ones that plunge down through the drop zone into the championship. I think we could have a lot of tears from Jack Grealish. I mm. think there could be a very an outpouring of emotion because he knows it'll be his final game for the club and he didn't save them. That's, well, not, that's my jo- one to watch. He's going to have loads of body language responsibilities because he's going to be doing the sort of cryptic wave goodbye to the non-existent crowd. He's yeah. going to be on his haunches doing the relegation thing. Uh, he'll out. probably be in the crowd with a radio to his ear because uh, he's a fan <laughs> as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe if they survive, he'll have to carry himself off the pitch. I uh, he's, got, he's got a lot of work to do, sort of taking off his tiny socks and giving them to nobody in the crowd. That's another kind of trope of the dejected player is rolling down their socks uh, at the, mm. the end of the game, which obviously he has already taken care of. Similar phenomenon to when players get sent off and they feel sort of obliged to kind of remove or untuck something as they walk off the pitch, which I've never really understood. It's like undoing a tie when you've gone to the pub. If you work in a bank <laughs> yeah. or something. I saw a few people suggest yesterday, given the low points totals down there uh, and the magic 40-point mark not being a thing, some people suggested that the 40-point mark should be like a cut in golf. If you don't <laughs> get 40 points, you get relegated anyway, which I'm kind of keyed on because then because then it would mean that whoever whoever miss, sort of misses out on the playoffs and the championship still has a good shout because they've just got, you know, on the final day, they've got radios pressed to their ears to see if anyone's made 40 points. Gary Parkinson suggests you should have to apply for re-election like the old football league that would be quite good fun uh, do we want Watford back you're right it's like like leaving them out of the whatsapp group or something like that <laughs> um, 
Uh, I mean, the admin for that would be absurd. So let's let's forget. I mean, that. how did that used to work? Applying well, for it, re-election. It was, only, it was when you it was when you got relegated from Division Four back in the old days, and, and uh, I guess there was no automatic kind of promotion from the non-league. So they just used to elect teams based on how good their stadium was and things like that. So uh, again, maybe that should be the benchmark for getting people back in the Premier League. Do you have a proper it, it, stadium? It implies, though, that there's, you know, imagine if if, it, if, it, if that in some sort of alternate universe did come into this day and age, as, as Gary suggests, there'll be like proper like campaigns, wouldn't there? Like political mm. campaigns, party <laughs> political broadcast from Watford FC. Watford 2020-21, vote for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One consequence of a, of a team being relegated, and, and this, this could apply to any of the kind of four candidates this season, um, is this idea that your best players can be, as they put it, cherry-picked. Cherry picking is yeah. either a really good team, sort of really good surprise package, say like Ajax in the Champions League a few seasons ago, or say Sheffield United this season, and having their best players sort of taken away because they were good. But I think it also applies to rubbish teams being relegated and having their sort of star yeah. names picked up. The only problem is with a lot of these teams is the cherries have they've gone off. <laughs> it's a bad, it's a bad crop. Certainly, Bournemouth really would be... lose their entire squad. I guess. I don't, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've 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 picked out some uh, some of these top level names from from three of the relegation candidates, and and all I want you to tell me here is which teams in next season's Premier League do they just feel right for? And I'm hoping we all agree on this. Uh, Nick, you can take the first one. Emi Buendia. I feel like. I feel like he could be ripe for a cherry picking. Well, where does he belong? I've got him at Brighton. Yeah, Brighton's a good shout. I mean, the kind of instinct with these things is always that the West Ham will buy them. And they will, <laughs> yeah, he was next to my t- list. They will turn out, but uh, and they will do absolutely nothing, and they'll be loaned to Reading again in in a yeah. few years. Wendier at Brighton feels about right. Um, it, it kind of de- maybe depends on who can say if West Brom come up. Wendier at West Brom that that feels mm. that that seems to sort of fit. I think. Um, I, li- I like the idea that you could sort of hop a lot, hop on sort of elevator style. You just hop on the one going up and say, yep, cheers, lad. See you later. I'm just going to nip back up. Dave, I offer you from Bournemouth, I offer you, well, a se- any selection of names really, but I'll go with uh, Aaron Ramsdale. Crystal Palace. Yeah, he's a bit palacey. Philip Billing. Billing, rangy central midfielder. Um... I can feel like he could play for Watford if they stay up. I can see him at Watford. Yeah, I think we've been linked with him in the past, actually. That's yeah, happened that a lot already. Um, Callum Wilson, he's the big one, isn't he, from Bournemouth, mm. I suppose. But, but I still I see he... him at West Ham, regardless of how good he is. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think he could do better than that. I think he mm. potentially could... Leicester, maybe, as like a second striker. Oh, Vardy. I like that. It, it basically, what it comes down to is not really how good they are or how good the club they could potentially join is. It just, can you picture them in that shirt next season? That's yeah, all it yeah, comes yeah. down to for me. On a similar note, uh, final one for this captivating section, Ben Foster. If Watford go down, I feel like Ben Foster maybe has one more season of being a first choice in him, Nick, mm. and then he becomes that player you sign when you just need to increase your homegrown quota of English goalkeepers. I can see Ben Foster doing that. As much as I really like him as a goalkeeper, I feel like he owes it to himself and his family to take that to take that contract. <laughs> I actually, no, I, I, I can completely see why you would imagine that he'd fit into that envelope of goalkeepers, but, but mm. he's definitely not going to do that. I, he basically nearly quit football before he joined Watford because he was so fed up with really? it. Really? Yeah. Wow. That was pretty much... He, lo- he loves cycling. He's, he's going to just 
when he when he leaves Watford, he will just go and be one of those weekend cyclists in Richmond. Well, if you're sick of football, then going to be a third choice goalkeeper is surely surely the best uh, best solution of all. Um, as a final as a final uh, contribution, I, I offer you Abdullah Dekoure to Newcastle. I can picture him. I can just see it. I can see him at Newcastle. Well, there's a, there's a whole kind of clutch of players at, at Watford who. It, you know, maybe a year ago, were uh, either came from or were sort of touted for very big things. Wasn't the Curry mm. quite heavily linked with PSG yeah. at one point? Yeah, 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 he was. Um, and then obviously Delafeu came from sort of secured history from Barcelona. So mm. you know, the, the, there are these players who potentially have ideas above their station, and will be you know instructing their agents to get them some top moves somewhere, kind of neatly forgetting the fact that they've just been calamitously relegated. Harry's Sponsors Football Clichés, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. As a listener of Football Clichés, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash football cliches right now. That's harrys.com forward slash football cliches. This is a tidy little warm-up for the next section, which is, has been a long-held fascination for me, which is the concept of being too good for the Championship and not good enough for the Premier League. <laughs> now, I, before, we get, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, I need to emphasize that this is not a dig against any of the players that we could possibly be mentioning here. This is about the very, very precise, exquisite sweet spot that exists between these two very distinct levels of English football because there is a massive gulf, Nick, between these two divisions. That's, that's been widely accepted. But there are, there are a clutch of players over the last 10, 15, 20 years who I feel just occupy this, this gulf and, and, and just cannot escape it. Um, I feel like it's a, if we were to do 11, an 11 of this, and we are about to, I feel like it's just going to be full of Scottish centre-backs, Welsh full-backs and Irish centre midfielders. Offer me a goalkeeper for, for this 11. Uh, well, it, it, Scott Carson is the one I've got written down, which is mm. kind of maybe slightly, uh, slightly scuppered by the fact that he's... He is what well, he is playing for a Premier League club at the moment, technically speaking. Yeah. But yeah, he he feels he feels like particularly when he was at uh, when he was at Derby, uh, you know, a good goalkeeper for in the Championship, but not quite good enough. Um, maybe maybe Lee Grant, perhaps. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he he seems to sort of fit in that one quite neatly. I've got Darren Randolph down in my. Oh, for this one. yeah. I'm I'm fully in favour of this. I think I think that's. That's just about right. I was going to suggest Kieran Westwood because I always get him mixed up with Wayne Hennessy, or at least did for years until Wayne Hennessy became, let's shall we say, newsworthy. So now I no longer <laughs> mix them up. <laughs> um, but so let, let, let's let's go with Darren Randolph because I think that's just about right because he is a good goalkeeper and I could see him, you know, being on the bench for a Premier League team easily. But I can also see him playing every single minute of a Championship season. So I think. I think that's bang on. Defenders-wise, I'll kick off with Sebastian Bassong. Yeah. On a similar note, I've got Herman Horaidison because he, mm. I think he's been relegated five times. Or he was, sorry, he was yeah, relegated Bassong five was, times. Bassong's four times and Horaidison yeah. five times. Yeah. So, yeah, being relegated a lot is part of it. 
yo-yoing is definitely part of the equation but it's 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 more a it's more a kind of state of mind you know man it's about am i championship or am i premier league i just don't know dave what do you think i've got chris gunter yeah so am i so am i so happy that we've both got chris gunter this is see this is what brings people together isn't it both having the same Welsh fullback in mind when you're trying to decide who's too good for the championship and not good enough for the Premier League. Like, got a move to Tottenham early in his career, but it just didn't yeah, work out. But just forgotten. real solidly part of some promotion teams in the championship. And still, still has still 100 playing? caps for Wales. Still has, yeah. yeah, totally. He's only 30. A little suggestion here is kind of good Premier League midfielders who were repurposed as championship fullbacks just because they could, you know, they, they, they could do a very solid job there and, and maybe even attack minded. I offer you. Ahmed El Mahamadi. Nice. Yeah. I saw him going down with a hamstring uh, at Villa Park on Tuesday night, and I just thought, see you in the championship, by hook <laughs> or by crook. You are going to be playing right back in the championship next season. Attacking attacking right back, certainly, but certainly right back. Basong and Horidison are our centre-half partnership, with El Mahamadi raiding down the right, and Chris Gunter just doing a job for us on the left. Nice. It's 4-4-2, by the way, because... This okay, is the championship. Yeah. I, I'll kick off the midfield uh, with my absolute cast iron certainty for this, which is Glenn Whelan. Yes, 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 yes. I disagree with this one. He's he's played. Right. He he was an integral part of that Stoke team. He's he's played one, two, three, exactly. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine consecutive seasons in the Premier League, where he made you know pretty much most played most of the games for Stoke in a successful Stoke team until the end. Yeah, but he was, a this... central midf- he was a central midfielder for Stoke. I mean, how much work is he actually going to be doing there? You know? <laughs> oh, no, he's done it. He's gone for it. Maybe the problem here, uh, as right as you kind of both are, maybe the problem here is that I've got him mixed up because I always get him mixed up with Craig Gardner. And who was the guy who played for Middlesbrough and Sunderland in central midfield? Uh, uh, um, Ledbetter. Yes, yes. I, I see them all as essentially the same person. Um, and, and that's what you need to be in this kind of, uh, what, what is sometimes known as the zone of Cameron and Jerome, which <laughs> is you need to be capable, clearly. You, I mean, international caps are certainly not off the table. That's, that's perfectly fine. You need to be capable, but you're also essentially solid. You are mediocre in the nicest sense of the word. And we're still talking about the, the, the top, five percent of professional footballers here so there's there's no there's no digs here so i feel like yeah. glenn whelan absolutely so he okay. he's he he is our box-to-box mid, he might even be our captain um we need some flying wingers we need some flair in here nick who are you going for a bit of a problem because i've 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 haven't stuck to the uh the 442 um formation <laughs> okay. well i, I don't know maybe, maybe we, do West three, three? Well, we need more maybe- strikers anyway if, if, if you want, if you want a couple of wingers, I could sort of repurpose some sort of ostensibly Please. flair players. Where's Houlihan, perhaps? Yeah, um, I've got him. He's on my yeah. list. Matej Vidra kind of slightly complicated things by scoring a couple of goals this season in the in, in the Premier League, but he he's historically um, has kind of struck me as very much in the Jerome zone. I've got him up front, um, mm. sort of interchangeable with Martin Waghorn. <laughs> Waghorn is like a, you bizarre, signed, you signed Martin, a bizarre. You signed Martin Waghorn. You no, know, he's, not, he, he's not too good for the championship. He is no, no, firmly good enough for the let championship. No, no, you, you signed Martin Waghorn in the championship because Mate Vidra has left you to join a Premier League club <laughs> and that's who you need to fill the gap. They are <laughs> the same person, just to varying degrees. So um, so they're battling it out for one of the three spots up front. I offer you Tom Ince as yeah. one of our kind of flair players. 
uh, former Inter Milan winger Tom Tom Ince because I'm just <laughs> I, I have it in my head now that he did go to Inter Milan just like Gareth Barry went to Liverpool. I just those moves happened and no one can convince me otherwise. <laughs> mm. uh, other suggestions from our listeners: Anthony Knockart for our very attacking looking midfield. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. He didn't really cut it, did he, with Brighton when they went up? Mm. Again, I would mix him up with Jan Kermigant. Kermigant, not good not Go good on. enough in the championship, again, to be no, in this. They've got to be outstanding in the championship to be in this in this team. Uh, outstanding, it's pushing it. You just have to hold your own in the championship and, and, and with, with an eye. It's too good for the championship. It's being... T- the name, oh, the no, sorry, yeah, the name. that's quite that's literally the definition of it. Sorry, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's, all going, it's all going wrong. Uh, Nick, Nigel Carsey, Neil Redfern, Jack Colback. Yeah, Quasi have got down on the, on the old, um, you know, okay. multiple relegations zone. So, a okay, little so bit of maybe, maybe Ben so, Watson as well. Um, oh, okay, okay, who's you know, I don't know, d- d- does the, the winning he goal won't... in the FA Cup final for Wigan disqualify him from that? I think it does because that means he's got he's got something really to cling on to. It, it yeah. rises him from from the pack. So I think we, our midfield is is Whelan. We're going to keep we're going to keep Tomins for a bit of flair, and I've completely forgotten who else we had. Knockout. 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 Yeah, I think knockout. Okay, fair, fair. So that's our three midfield. I mean, we have to have three up front because there has been twenty five suggestions <laughs> for strikers here. Um, I think we can all agree on Dwight Gale. Can we? No. Oh, he's. I think he's. He's. He's had instinctively when when this was suggested yesterday in in mm. the old uh, WhatsApp group. I just too many. Maybe it's because he scored the other day against Watford, but too many moments in my head just came to me in recent seasons where I've thought, oh, maybe he is good enough for the Premier League. He scored. Oh, I completely. I, I agree. I think. I, I. I think someone should sign him for the Premier League and make him good and play him. Uh, it's just the fact that it hasn't happened at Newcastle it makes me think that he's inevitably. Destined for a move back down to the championship, where he will score fifteen goals. He also uh, scored which... uh, scored at least one goal in the 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 Cristian Ball game, um, the, mm. the Liverpool in in twenty fourteen. So again, he's got a he's got a <laughs> big moment. Ball. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard that know. before. We cannot talk about strikers for this team without mentioning there. There's one in particular that I think is the absolute don of this of this particular genre. I think possibly the it? person who. Who the who the sort of whole phrase was created for, and that's Robert Earnshaw. Oh yes, yes, yes. yeah. I can, no, you're right. It is Robert Earnshaw, isn't it? Uh, because not only does he probably tick all of the boxes that we've we have described at length so far, but he 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 holds that curious kind of trivia stat of having scored in every single division in the entire universe in in the space of three months or something hat like that. Hat trick so, in every hat trick in every yeah, division. Yeah, exactly. Every... It could be anything you like. It doesn't matter. It's uh, so yeah. Okay, so we've got. We've got Vidra. We've got. I, I um, think you've got to have. You've got to. You've got to talk Robert about Earnshaw. people like David Nugent and Jordan Rhodes. Hmm. I just Rhodes didn't. Rhodes didn't endure in the championship for quite long enough. I expected him to be a twenty goal in the season. Uh, Strike in the championship what are you on about? longer. Absolute rubbish. He scored eighty three goals in the championship in four seasons. This is, I, I enjoy the aggression. This, the aggression is good. <laughs> channel it. Channel it into this. Uh, I, I'm going to keep throwing names at you. You probably disagree with this one, but Charlie Austin, and this isn't a numbers thing. I don't care how many goals he scored in the Premier League. You look at Charlie Austin and he just oozes 20 goals in the championship. Everything about him, it's just his build. <laughs> and and I, I mean this as a compliment, if anything. You just look at him and you think, he will get you 20 goals in the championship. He'll get you up to the Premier League and then you can sell him. Charlie Austin. Yeah. He scored 10 goals in the championship this season. There you go. Solid. <laughs> 
<laughs> solid in every word, every sense of the word. Uh, so we've we've got our four three three. Let's run through it again because I've completely forgotten it. So this will be a challenge in itself. In goal we have Darren Randolph at the back. Chris Gunter, Ahmed El Hamidi, Sebastian Bassong, Herman Horidison. A midfield three of Tom Ince, Glenn Whelan, and Anthony Knockart. And up front the potent trio of Charlie Austin, Matteo Vidra, and the other one that I've forgotten. Earnshaw. Robert Earnshaw. Surely. Robert Earnshaw, of course. The king. That is that's that's that that team would get you promoted, probably with a hundred points as well. Only if Neil Warnock was the manager. I'm not sure about Warnock. I had him down first of all, but I've changed it to Gary Monk because I feel like he still has aspirations of being a Premier League manager. Uh, no, I have to pull you up on this again. Neil Warnock <laughs> is dem- demonstrably too good for the Championship, but not good enough for the Premier League. That is literally Ow. his whole career. It's too. It, I feel like he's too spectacularly both of those things it just doesn't sit in the middle <laughs> enough i know what you mean nick solve this mediate oh it's 100 percent. well it is warnock warnock is the is the manager mm. of this kind of conceptual okay. team i'm not really sure warnock's the manager of this set of players though there's no, no. way warnock's playing you know anthony knockout as a in a midfield three is he yeah good point we're recording this uh in the build-up to what is going to be an absolutely surreal moment in Premier League history, Nick, because Liverpool are going to lift the Premier League trophy to an empty stadium on a specially built podium at Anfield after their game against Chelsea to the soundtrack of Coldplay's A Sky Full of Stars. How do you feel about all of this? And I, I, Not only from a, is it a terribly naff thing perspective, but also it's going to be really weird. It's going to be incredibly weird. I mean, the, the I, I, on the kind of song choice first... I you know whether you like like Coldplay or not I'm not 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 a huge fan but that song in particular does feel like a very trophy lifty song no <laughs> yes it does it's just yes, kind of sl- slightly anonymous but sort of uh, ostensibly uplifting uh, you can you can absolutely picture uh, you know Jordan Henderson doing his his little shuffle turning round and then presumably some kind of you know fireworks and glitter exploding as as sky full of stars pumps out. I listened to this song last night Dave just to refresh my memory or perhaps even hear it for the first time and and it struck me straight away as Nick said that this is this is trophy lifting material. Um but the, crucially it does actually have a moment fairly early on that kind of goes from nothing to a lot of something which is when the trophy presumably will be lifted. So a lot of pressure on um on Henderson to get his timing right here especially since he's carrying an injury. But um, one very specific point of this scenario I need to put to you is there are no fans there. Their, their families have not been allowed to go there either. So this is going to be this is going to be a highly televisual event. They're going to be have cameras swinging around. It's going to be it's going to be very TV friendly. But where are the players going to look at the very moment they lift the trophy? Who are they, who are they going to be shouting yes to when they lift well, the trophy I, up? I think they're going to be looking into the sky full of stars, aren't they? Oh, maybe. Nice. I mean, they are, they're going to be on the cop, right? It's like halfway up the cop, this big yeah, stage that's been yeah. erected. So they're just going to have to look yeah. out into this great void of nothingness. But mm. I think, like, like, like some of the other moments we've talked about today, it's going to the fact that there are no supporters and there's no general crowd noise. Yeah, it's it's so weird because you're gonna you you'll hear the voices of the players <laughs> singing or cheering and then you'll hear some people will be like really weirdly high pitched and some people won't quite give it everything and it's but also specifically awkward. specifically you're going to finally hear whether professional footballers sing campione or championi as they jump up and down with the only single dance move that's allowed to be performed while you're singing that song i against all against 
all accepted wisdom and against you know against every fiber of my own being i am a icing championne I, I don't care. Yeah. I've anglicised it. I think it's. I it think it's perfectly be. acceptable to sing Championi. Yeah, and one hundred percent is going to be Championi, and there, there will be you know inevitably people going. Uh, actually, I think you'll find it's Campione. It's not really. It's not actually. It's not actually an English. Movie. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's like saying lackadaisical instead of lackadaisical. It's it's you've repurposed it for your own desires. As uh, you know, as you said, we were record- recording this before the, the actual event itself, but in my head it's going to be very much like um, when bands play on later with Jules Holland, because they there are <laughs> there are going to be there are going to be people there, uh, but it's not uh, they're not actually perf- like performing for anyone immediately in front of them. So you know, it, it, later um, they have the kind of the bands are in a sort of circle and this enormous space in front of them where Jules comes on and waves his hands at them, and then a, a selected <laughs> collection of kind of industry people clap. Uh, and you know, it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a similar vibe. And two hours later, just sat down with Jordan Henderson at a piano. <laughs> As surreal and kind of unprecedented as this scenario is, and they've done their best to to jazz it up, and I'm sure it'd be very hilarious and, and glossy and slick. Um, there are some things that they just couldn't avoid doing. This week was the emergence of footage of the engraver engraving their name into the trophy, Dave. My only thought when I see this every single year, it, whether it's being done, you know, last minute as the games are being completed or, you know, done with the comfort that he's going to be definitely right. I just think that guy must be sitting there going, Get the fuck out of my face. Get the camera away from me. I'm doing an incredibly important job here. Stop filming me. Is it the same bloke who does it every year? Has he just been Must be. been on contract since 1992? Still going strong. How'd you get that gig? I mean, it's probably the same the same sort of set of people who produce the ball plinth and things like that. These are very niche jobs, but someone's got to do yeah. them. And um, does he spend the rest of the year just making like five-a-side trophies? Just to keep yes. it, just to keep it ticking over until the business Car- end of the season, literally for Car- him. Carving out plastic figurines of these of the same nineteen eighties footballer with short shorts and a side passing that we've had <laughs> for the last thirty years. Um, I don't know. Perhaps he's got I don't know UEFA Pro engraving license, and he's the only one allowed to do it. We've covered everything we could possibly have wanted to here when it comes to the business end of the season. Thanks to you both. I hope I hope the end of the business end of the season goes favourably for both of you. We'll find out. Well, by the time people are listening to this tomorrow, they'll find out if Forest are indeed playoff bound. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, currently it's a it's double turmoil because I'm currently debating whether it's a good idea for us to get promoted to the Premier League at all. So I just, I just don't know what to think at the moment. Dave, I look forward to Watford uh, signing Nigel Carsey this summer for their midfield. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just, I just all, I, all I really want to say is I just really hope people listen to this podcast with their phone pressed up against their ear and just earnestly relay all the important bits to people around them so that everyone knows what's going on. Thanks to you both. Goodbye.